0: My name is Jonathan Adler, and this episode is the first in a series of institutional profiles brought to you by the Middle East Studies Pedagogy Initiative, or MESPI. In this series, we'll highlight some of the newest and most noteworthy academic st- institutions in the region that are helping to advance critical learning in Middle East studies. I'm speaking today with Katie Whiting, the Managing Director of the Sijal Institute in Amman. Sijal is an Arabic language school and cultural hub in the historic Jebel Amman neighborhood of the Jordanian capital. And full disclosure for our listeners, I attended Sijal as a student for the second half of 2018. So this interview may be colored by my memories of the many happy months that I spent at the school. So Katie, welcome. I'm I'm very excited to speak with you today.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. I'm excited to be here.
0: Great. Um, So I thought we'd start for those listeners Uh, who may be unfamiliar with Sijal and its program um, by asking you to give us just sort of a general introduction to the school um, and its programs.
1: Of course. So the Sijal Institute is an Arabic language school and an academic institute where we provide intensive Arabic instruction at all linguistic levels, as well as academic offerings, including seminars, workshops, public lectures, things of that sort.
0: Great. And I mean, could you talk a little bit sort of about the background of the school and perhaps sort of, you know, um, in its founding, what were, what were some of the, the, the gaps in um, Arabic language education that it uh, tried to fill?
1: Of course. So the main idea behind establishing Sijan was to couple language instruction with cultural immersion and critical engagement with issues in the region, whether political or social. And we felt that students of Arabic often came to Jordan to learn Arabic, but they had a very sort of uh, a bubble kind of experience. They weren't necessarily critically engaging with, uh, with issues that are happening around them. So we were trying to bridge that gap uh, between uh, sort of having rigorous academic study as well as having uh, high-quality language coursework. So we've been open since 2015, um, and we have been sort of steadily growing in the Jabal Amman area uh, ever since.
0: Cool. Um, and could you talk to a little bit more about some sort of like the, the the concrete strategies um, that Sijal uses to try to to bridge that gap um, between you know language learning. Um, And and cultural immersion. I mean, so is there is there a particular pedagogical philosophy? uh, That you know, you've helped to develop or that school school has developed um, You know that informs the ethos of the school, you know And this can be anywhere, you know from the material that teachers use and students engage with Mm -hmm. in class uh, To the choice of lecture speakers or extracurricular trips
1: Yeah, all of those Uh, all of those are are very much in the core vision. So if we start with uh, really just the idea of integration. So uh, you find a lot of students who will come and they'll sort of uh, only be interacting and engaging with students from their their said program. So what we try and do is make students feel as though they're a part of the city uh, by encouraging and setting up Uh, Internships, volunteer opportunities, language partners. Uh, We also have a pretty rich cultural events uh, calendar, so we'll have speakers who are engaged with, with issues coming from Jordan, coming from surrounding countries. Uh, who are able to sort of offer a critical lens. The same idea with uh, with the trips is that they're meant to be academic in, in their sort of, you know, in their fundamental vision. So, you know, taking people to, uh, to sites with not a touristic lens, but an academic lens uh, where they're going to, um, and are, are aiming to sort of interact with the local community, hear more local community stories, um, you know, learn more about um, not just, you know, about uh, the site itself, but about the people who are connected to the site, the people who have lived in the site. Um, and then uh, finally, as well, the the content, like you mentioned, the content of the, uh, the coursework. It, it's always really important to... Uh, you know, to be constantly reviewing and and changing the, the curriculum to make sure that the curriculum is uh, is critical, is academic, is using new sources, is using sources that are engaging. Especially at the at the intermediate and advanced levels, you find that students have um, you know content that is uh, directly relevant to, to their studies and to their interests, you know, we'll be taking from, uh, from literature that is, you know, changing the field today, taking from newspapers, magazines, from Jadaliya, uh, from Al-Hadud, from Hibr, from, from a lot of the sort of cutting edge places that are, that are doing really strong journalistic work in Jordan, um, and, you know, sort of uh, in the in the broader region, and making sure that students are, are engaging with and grappling with these materials. And honestly, even at the the elementary levels, we we worked um, for you know the last year on developing our own Amiya curriculum, our own Jordanian colloquial um, Arabic curriculum, which puts sort of uh, the cultural elements of the language and the history of the language at the forefront. So students are not just sort of memorizing lists of you know, like these are all of the fruits. Mm-hmm. They are you know, actively out in the area talking with people, meeting people, and and learning about the the cultural broad uh, you know, the cultural sort of dimension of the language. Mm-hmm.
0: Great, no, and, and on this note, I mean sort of, you know, one thing that I always think about um, when I reflect on my own language learning journey, uh, you know, is, is the, the, the constantly changing regional dynamics. You know, So the fact that perhaps if I, if I had been born five or 10 years earlier and, and taken the same path um, that I may have, you know, seriously considered also studying um, in Damascus or Cairo um, or other yep. places in the region, um, you know, and in fact, I remember that much of the colloquial material that I learned um, in my first year of undergraduate Arabic um, seem to have been designed for students planning to travel to Syria and Egypt, even though, mm. you know, at that time, none of my peers did or likely could have. Um, so so, so on that note, could you talk about how Sijal and perhaps, you know, um, studying Arabic and Amman and Jordan in general um, allows students to attain um, not just a perspective on Jordanian life and politics and culture, uh, but perhaps also a broader regional perspective, particularly now, um, you know, as as geopolitical realities prevent or make difficult for students to learn Arabic and other Middle Eastern capitals.
1: Completely, I mean, that's the sort of lived reality of being in Amman right now. Um, you know, the the region has, has um, you know quite a, a lot of, of changes and conflicts that are happening, um, and specifically, you know, over over the last. You no, know, I mean, honestly, Amman's history has has. You know, very much since the sort of since the beginning of of this of the building of the city has been um, very much shaped by refugee communities and by conflicts in other areas. Um, it's in it's in the genetic makeup of Amman as a as a capital. Um, and as a city and it, it very much affects our work um, right now you you have people who are um, and you have a, a really really large Syrian refugee population uh, Yemeni refugee population still Palestinian Iraqi refugees you've got you know people from all over um, which you know affects Amman at all levels it, in terms of sort of Arabic language studies um, you know, the the effect on it pales in comparison to, to the effect of these conflicts on sort of other aspects of life. But uh, in general, yeah, it has it has changed sort of the areas that, that people are are, you know, comfortable going to and it changes very much the, the dialects that people are interested in learning. If you look sort of population wise, uh, it makes so much more sense for, for students to be studying Syrian Arabic um, or or Egyptian Arabic. But in terms of sort of, uh, in terms of sort of what is available, strategic goals, uh, people's own personal interests, uh, Jordan has has seen you know uh, a really really big difference over the last couple of years in terms of what students are coming, uh, when students are coming, and sort of uh, what students are interested in studying as well.
0: Yeah. You know, and I, I I sort of you know, reflect on my own time there. Um. It, you know, it's being being in Amman um, for me seemed not just to be an introduction to Jordanian life, but, but even more sort of an 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 immersion into uh, particularly Palestinian, uh, you know, culture and history. Um, you know, given you know at, at Sijal, but also in terms of you know sort of the, the events um, okay. going on around uh, Sijal. Yes
1: you know is so intimately intertwined with Palestinian history they are the same you know Palestinian history and Jordanian history can't be separated um and you know it's what 60 percent of the Jordanian population right now is Mm -hmm. is of Palestinian background so we try very much within our instruction within our curriculum to to talk heavily about Palestinian history and to talk about Palestinian issues so in the summers we have a content course focusing on Palestinian history Uh, We almost always have speakers who are talking about Palestinian conflict in in every semester, uh, coursework readings that that talk about it, as well as um, an educational tour of of a Palestinian refugee camp most semesters. Mm -hmm. And those we don't take lightly, uh, we take very sensitively, because it's always very, very important for students to understand that this is an educational tour this is a tour uh, for people to learn more about the initiatives that Palestinian refugees have have taken to learn more about the history and to sort of um, you know gain uh, experiences with uh, with said people it's not poverty tourism it's not you know coming in and um, and sort of taking pictures Absolutely. it's yeah. uh, creating conversations um, between people that wouldn't necessarily have an opportunity to meet otherwise. Mm.
0: So, one other question, um, you know, uh, also reflecting on my on my time in Amman, um, one of my one of my favorite parts of coming to Sijal every day every uh, day was just being in the space. You know, especially I spent a lot of time uh, in the garden behind the first house. Oh. Um, you know, many afternoons studying and enjoying the views and sounds uh, across the city. Um, mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, both Sejal houses, uh, but you know, in particular the first one and its history, um, and perhaps also what you think is the value of learning in this kind of uh, environment or a rich, a rich a historical uh, environment.
1: Completely. So the Sejal house is a it's a historic building. It dates back to the early twentieth century to the era of the British mandate when Jordan was known as the Emirates of Transjordan. So it was built by a Syrian family that had settled in Amman as part of the first waves of uh, of merchants that had arrived from uh, from Damascus. And you can see so many of the the Damascene influences in the architecture of the house itself. uh, itself. There are fountains in the garden, uh, Syrian tiles, and we worked really, really hard to, to preserve this original character um, we wanted the space to be inspiring for teaching and learning, uh, and we wanted it to, to retain its uh, its authentic character. So um, we thought a lot about the furniture, the artwork. Uh, we wanted it to reflect contemporary artistic uh, production in Jordan while still sort of um, retaining the the sort of original structure of the building. So when we first moved into the house in, in 2014, it was in a really dismal space. Uh, it, it basically needed a complete overhaul. Um, honestly, even some of the tiles weren't even visible at that time. We, you know, pulled flooring up and things like that. Um, but the focus wasn't in any way on, on gutting the building. It was preserving the, the sort of fundamental elements of it. Um, so we originally opened in Sijad House, which is right across the street from the famous Booksat Cafe, uh, at the end of, of Rainbow Street. Um, and then, as we as we grew, and as our student uh, you know population sizes grew with us, then we expanded into another building up the street. So both buildings, we've tried to to cultivate beautiful gardens in, uh, especially gardens that have um, lots of edible. Uh, components to them, olive trees and pomegranate trees and lemon trees and herb gardens. Um, and, and we're proud of the, of the outcome. You know, it, I feel as though the, the sort of historical air of, of the buildings themselves lend very much to students, um, you know, um, being in sort of that, that cultural environment further, mm. especially being in Jabal Amman. Uh, the location of, of the homes is also sort of historically a very important part of Amman. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of the oldest neighborhoods um, and, and has so many other cultural and artistic institutions that, you know, we're very much able to benefit from our relationships with.
0: Great. Cool. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, um, you know, was, was to give you some time um, to talk about about how the program has grown and changed. I mean, I know that CJEAL is still relatively young, um, mm-hmm. but I know that there's been a lot of a lot of growth, um, you know, in terms of new programs, um, new initiatives, um, and new you know sort of partnerships in, in Jordan and outside. Um, so perhaps if you could talk a little about those, um, as well as any you know obstacle or, or obstacles or challenges um, that you. Um, have had to confront as part of you know as part of this uh, developmental process.
1: Yeah. So you know I remember when I when I first started working at Sijan, uh we had seven students and mm. three classrooms, and I remember at the time. Uh, you know, I was very much thinking, okay, well, how are ways that we're going to build the programs? And I remember having to be so strategic on social media to try and not show that we only had seven students coming <laughs> <laughs> to all of the events. Uh, so, so since then, Alhamdulillah, we've we've experienced. Uh, quite a lot of growth. It's no longer seven students per semester. We've had uh, faculty-led programs this last year with Northeastern University, University of Houston, uh, Brenmar Haverford, um, as well as uh, Lincoln High School, uh, which was a, a great experience in addition to, you know, our, our core programs. Um, so it's just been, uh, it's been running to keep up um, you know, we're always trying to think about how we can preserve that family environment, that small environment where everyone has sort of individual attention, everyone knows, you know the teachers and the students know each other very well. The students know each other very well, and there's that sort of deep bond with every cohort um, and, which is harder to do, you know, especially in the summer months when we when we have more programs coming in. Um, but, you know, I think that we've been able to to sort of keep up pace. All of our growth has been very organic. You know, people talking to each other, recommending the, the programs to each other. So uh, it's been really a joy, honestly, to, to see the growth of the programs. Um, and, you know, we're always uh, looking for sort of new ways to, to, to grow and, and develop. Uh, we recently um, hired on Dr. Sanab Far uh, in a sort of a new role. Uh, where we're focusing more on uh, developing uh, Arabic coursework uh, for uh, the Jordanian the population as well. Um, so developing new seminars to be offered in Arabic, uh, developing new workshops and, uh, and lectures, as well as courses teaching um, the Arabic language um to to native arabic speakers you know people who might feel as though their their skills in arabic are sort of um you know need some some possibly beats need some you know fixing up um so yeah it's been it's been inspiring and it's been interesting to to sort of uh, let the growth lead us more than sort of you know trying um trying to sort of pursue a particular path mm-hmm.
0: great so I know we might be a little short on time, um, but is, is there anything else that you'd like to add? You know th- this has been um, a fantastic discussion so far.
1: Yeah, um, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I, I can go on forever uh, about these topics. You know, uh, I, I love sort of, I love thinking about curriculum. I love thinking about sort of how the curriculum itself uh, really shapes the way students interact uh, with with the country and with the, the people that, that they meet, and I think that those questions are are questions that are always sort of important to keep in your mind. You know, if you're if you're hoping to to teach in a critical manner and to you know um, uh, really sort of guide students to be critical learners. Um, so these are these are important questions that we're always keeping in mind, um, and we're always sort of inspired to to see the work that's going around. Uh, you know, um, that's sort of coming up around us in Amman. There's so much movement and so much, you know, interesting initiatives that are happening right now in Amman. So it's beautiful to sort of be here in this time to be a part of that to to work with people to provide a space for people to really showcase a lot of their work you know it's um uh it there's there's so much going on that we really do sort of want to to use our space to to amplify these voices
0: absolutely all right so thanks again katie um for taking the time to talk with me today this this has been a lot of fun
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. It was my pleasure.
2: You've been listening to Status Audio Magazine. The Status is produced by the Arab Studies Institute in partnership with Voices of the Middle East and North Africa, co-sponsored by George Mason University's Middle Eastern Studies Program and the American University of Beirut's Asfari Institute for Civil Society and Citizenship. Interested in pitching an interview, a program episode, or becoming a partner, email our associate producer, Paola Messina, at paola at a hour dot com. To listen to more conversations, on-the-scene reports, and discussions, visit our website, statushour.com, or subscribe via iTunes and listen to us on the go. You can also friend us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks for listening and for more conversations, please visit statushour.com.